0: Tired. so tired. Overtired. You are listening to overtired I'm Christina Warren. He's Brett chirpstra. Brett, how are you?
1: Oh my God So good. How are you?
0: I'm I'm pretty good so it feels like it's been forever since we talked
1: It has been. it's been a couple of weeks We uh, we had been recording on Saturday before the Friday we published. And then we had a week off, but then we had a shitty week where we fell behind. Now we're recording Saturday, the day after we were supposed <laughs> to publish. Right. So it's been, it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, this is what happens. Like, we were doing so well. We were, like, ahead of the game. Uh-huh. And, and I, then... I had, like, um,
1: days to edit.
0: Yeah, I know. And then I had, like, a thing last week, and... I didn't really have a thing. I just, I was so, I was so tired. Like I genuinely was overtired. I was like tired to the point that I could not record. Yeah. I was like, I cannot do this. Yeah.
1: I picked up on that from your text messages. (laughs) Your very drowsy text messages.
0: Like when you can tell that when someone is tired in text, it's bad.
1: Yeah. And then we, we rescheduled for midweek and then I got sick, like too sick to sit at a desk. I didn't actually take a sick day from work. I was able to, from a supine position, uh, attend all of my meetings. And the weird thing about work right now is, I I can't remember the last time we talked, but they they switched my manager. I know we talked about that. Yeah, they have assigned me to a bunch of projects that are basically not happening. Like mm-hmm. they're they're they are in in corporate parlance blocked, and so. While everyone assumes that I'm busy with like three projects at once, none of them are moving. And I'm doing my best to pick up like odd jobs from like, hey, do you need help with this? I have some in again, in corporate parlance, I have some cycles available. Um I guess that's <laughs> oh like God. that's like tech world corporate parlance.
0: Yeah. But, I, wow. Yep.
1: Yeah. So I'll be honest, despite two sick days, this last week was just fucking easy. And I should, I honestly, there's nothing I can do about it. It's not like I'm being lazy. If, if, if my boss hears this, I'm, I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing.
0: You are. You're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. And it's like you're trying. Like, yeah. It's, it's not your fault that your stuff is blocked. It is a hundred percent not my fault. So, I mean, like, you have two options. You can continue to work on the blocked stuff that is blocked. And, and yeah, at a certain like, point, th- there's, there's nothing there's that I can you do. can do. <laughs> right. I was going to say, like, at a certain point, you're done. Like, at a certain point, like, if there are blockers, like, you can't go any further. So, if you're not getting instruction to do more than that, and you are actively, which you are, like, reaching out and trying to get more things done, like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean. I- I'm
1: being a good employee.
0: You are. Like, it is not your fault that, like. It is bureaucratic as hell.
1: So do you want to have a a Brett's Mental Health Corner?
0: I do. Let's have Brett's Mental Health Corner.
1: Okay. So right now I am, if not not stable, I'm coming out of a depression. And this last manic episode I went through a couple weeks ago now, I decided I was done. Like, okay. So I decided... The only difference between now and the last time I was consistently stable for more than a month
0: mm-hmm. was
1: the Focalin, which is by far my favorite ADHD stimulant. It 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 works. It just works. And the last thing I was on was Vyvanse, right. which I've been on on and off for 15 years. Um, and it's not like after after a year on it, it it feels like it's not doing anything at all. But it also wasn't causing mood swings. And I have decided, I made the decision, I've already contacted my doctor to go back to Vyvanse in the hopes of just finding some kind of workable stability. Maybe not as effective as I had been, but without the like, Because honestly, manic episodes are productive for me for about a day and a half. And then at that point, I've gone 36 hours without sleep.
0: Right. And no matter
1: how elevated my mood is or how much energy I have, my work suffers. Right. And then that's followed by one to three weeks of not wanting to leave the couch. That's not productive as much as like it feels like focalin is the more effective choice i i don't know like i've considered maybe trying a new stimulant um but i just i just i want the i want the cycle of manic and and depressive states to to end
0: yeah no i mean i think that's important and i'm glad that you're you're talking to your doctor about that cuz that is the thing right like it's it's one thing it's like okay that's awesome that you know you have the that um whatchamacallit that like uh that the focal end seems to work so well but if it's not really working and it's not like okay it makes you feel really focused but you get <laughs> you get a couple of days of everything being okay yeah then you have the one manic day where it's good and then you yeah. have like the rest of the manic cycle which puts you like awake too long which isn't uh-huh. helpful and then you have like the depressive cycle, which is not helpful for anyone. And which, then the is not helping that.
1: Which grand total gives me like three actually productive days a month. That's, that's what not, I'm saying. That's not the sign of effectiveness.
0: No, it's not. So it's like, okay, this 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 technically better drug really isn't better. That, that's
1: it just feels more like cocaine, and I miss cocaine. I'll be honest. Like I got it you. is very much an addict. It's it's an addict making the decisions there. This this drug feels better. Uh, Vivance feels nothing like cocaine. Vivance almost doesn't feel like anything to me, but but I think that's what I need. And I'm yeah, being a responsible yeah. adult and saying I'm let's so let's you. do that. Oh, thanks.
0: Like, genuinely, like I'm really proud of you because that uh, would be yeah because. You know, and, and that is also like you are like going against the whole laws of diminishing returns thing, right? Like you are like, actually, you're like recognizing like this on cost fallacy. You're like, nope, not doing it. Yeah. I'm really proud of you.
1: Cost fallacy. That sounds like an economics term.
0: Yeah. Or sort like, of like,
1: law of diminishing return. This, is, yeah, this well, is giving me flashbacks to microeconomics, which I only passed because of the bell curve. <laughs>
0: Yeah, the no, sunk cost fallacy is the idea where people think that the more like because you've already invested so much money in something, you're going to continue to see it out and you put more money after it. Yeah. And and so you you wind up wasting more when you should have just like backed out. Like, I had a, people, yeah.
1: I had a meeting with my financial advisor this week. She last time I talked to her, I was taking five grand out of my 401k. Because times were desperate and I had, I felt no choice. And this time I'm like, oh, hey, I have uh, $22,000 in savings and all of my bills are covered. My credit card debt is paid off. And she's like, holy cow, I'm so proud of you. Which is, I guess, I guess that's what I'm looking for in life. People yeah, to just be is, proud of me. Oh my which God. Is awesome. <laughs> totally, totally aside. I did a yes. talk about bunch to a Mac user groups out of Naples.
0: <laughs> nice. And like like, like like Naples, Italy or Naples, Florida.
1: Florida. I okay. think Florida. I'm not even sure. I just know it was the Naples Mac user group. And they asked me to do another talk on tagging, and I'm kind of I'm done talking about tagging. Like I'm still a big proponent of tagging, but I I I'm just tired of trying to convince people. So I was like, hey. I have this project that I'm super into called Bunch. Why don't I talk about that? Not realizing, and I should have realized, but not realizing that the median age of this user group is about 110, which I think, (laughs) which I think is par for like user groups these days. I feel like people have other ways.
0: Okay, but but I just looked at the this is also awesome. this is in fact Naples, Florida. So this is retirement town anyway. <laughs> yeah, like for sure. like that, that 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 is not like judgmental. Like that is like ju- like I wish I could be retired. Like I wish I could like be retired in I Florida. Actually, but awesome. I actually have
1: relatives in Naples. Um but so so the Zoom uh user group meeting starts with 140 140 people. And by the time I'm done talking, they made me talk for an hour. And by the time I'm done talking, there are seventy people left. I lost half the crowd, and the other half, they—I don't think they meant to CC me on this, <laughs> but they sent out an apology for my talk afterward. Oh, <laughs> They're like, no. "Hey, we try oh, to bring on no. people that you'll be interested in, but we failed this time."
0: <laughs> oh no! You got Tanya. You 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 got like uh, Tanya museumed. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but they paid me a hundred dollars for the for the talk which i've never been paid for a, uh, a user group talk
0: before yeah me either
1: so i was like hey thanks for the hundred dollars i'm sorry that i bored 70 people enough to walk out
0: and and another 70 who just didn't know how to hit the end call button on zoom
1: i have gotten <laughs> right <laughs> i've gotten I, two people have followed up with me with with bunch of questions, how do I make this work? So there were two people. Okay. One of them an organizer, but two people who were interested enough to to try it out. Okay. So two out of a hundred and forty—that's you know. I mean, it's not a great what what be RBA.
0: I mean, it's pretty low, but it's also considering the audience, not awful. Now, let me ask you this the organizer who sent you the stuff, was this the same organizer that also accidentally CC'd you on the apology? It is. Yes. <laughs> ah. Oh man. I'm not, I'm, I'm trying not to laugh, but hold
1: <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was my humor for the week. I mean, and and oh my God, I stressed out because like, so in my head, I'm I'm presenting this to a bunch of like people who will be interested. They're like, mac like automation people who who want like the latest and greatest and for weeks i'm like how am i gonna fill an hour like i don't i never talk for an hour i could never be a professor i can't fill an hour so i ended up i ended up like sitting down and practicing and just recording my practice and then editing multiple takes of my practice and then just playing a video over Zoom so I didn't have to like stress about it. And then if as like, so I was in chat while it was playing and as people ask questions, I could answer them in chat because I wasn't talking and it actually worked out really well uh, and relieved some stress from me. But like I put, I, I put hours of stress into this meeting that ended up being apologized for. You know what? That's... I'm sorry, too. Sorry, not sorry. I, I did my job. I did exactly what I said I was going to do. You, you,
0: no, you did. You, you did exactly what you said you were going to do. Look, I'm going to say this. I don't think anybody can fault you for anything. The only thing you might be, like, I, I would say, like, to think about in the future, and I still, I'm still not faulting you. The only thing you might want to think about in the future would be think about, like, your audience next time. Like well, do so, like, more audience? Like I
1: said, I didn't understand what the audience was going to be. Right. The rule for me moving forward is just don't do user group talks.
0: No, I mean I think you're right. I think I think that that is a good rule. I, but I'm just saying I think also in general because I've made this mistake before too where I understood in my mind the audience to be one thing and then realized when I got there that it was a completely different thing.
1: The worst part is I realized it about two days before and there was no going back.
0: Oh man, I once realized (laughs) in the room right before I gave my presentation.
1: Oh, that would be a sinking feeling for sure. Oh,
0: I mean, okay, so I was giving this talk that I was also paid for and I had written the presentation with one audience in mind, and then I realized it was a completely different audience, and they were expecting a completely different type of talk, (laughs) and I'm seeing the other person who's giving this presentation who was from the MIT Media Lab, so of course he has the most beautiful presentation ever, whereas mine is just some bullshit slides, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, okay... Do I need to fake a seizure? Do I need to stand up and like fall flat on my face and pass out? Like, what do I need to do right now? Like, how am I going to get out of this? It ended up working out. I actually ended up getting another gig out of it. But it was one of the most stressful experiences of my life, for sure.
1: Do you remember the TNG where uh, Troy, Picard, and Data were coming back from a symposium and they got stuck in these like time distortions? And like people would just like freeze and then they came back, and the Enterprise look appeared to be under attack from a Romulan ship, but it was like frozen in time.
0: I don't, don't. but but I I don't, but but tell me more about this because I feel like you're going somewhere with
1: this. I the reason I bring it up is they're describing the symposium to each other and how one of the professors presenting thought. The talk was about something entirely different, but never paused enough for Picard to, like, let him know that oh. this isn't what the symposium is about. He said it and he demonstrated he, like, did the run on sentence with no stop so he could demonstrate how the guy was talking. And it was very hypnotic. I only bring this up because I literally just watched this episode this morning and and, it, and, it, and, it, and it's in my mind.
0: No, but that's also, that's but it's completely on point with what we're talking about. That is, yeah. I,
1: weird, weird synchronicity, huh?
0: Oh, seriously, genuinely, I, I was going to, I'm also thinking, okay, I, and I admit, I mean, I i don't think I've ever seen all of TNG, but what I've seen of it, I quite like, but I'm, it, it was, it was just a little how, bit before wait, my time. Wait,
1: it you're married to Grant. I know. Isn't Grant like a big, like Star Trek guy? No. Or am I thinking of Scott McNulty?
0: You're thinking, oh, of, Scott thinking of Scott
1: McNulty. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah,
0: yeah. No, no, no. I, yeah. I, you would not they, get
1: away with that with Scott McNulty. Oh,
0: absolutely not. <laughs> McNulty, like, who hosts several TNG and Star Trek podcasts. No, yeah. I, I was going to say, I was like, it's not a Trekker or whatever they call them uh, themselves, because um, apparently Trekkie. Trekkie's a slur. It's, well, no, no, oh. I think Trekkie's a slur. I think they really call themselves Trekkers. Oh. Let us know in the Discord. I don't know um how anyway i don't
1: understand how it could be a slur
0: i don't think it's really a slur i just think that they I think like they're
1: all slurs depending on which side you're coming at it from
0: i mean i think that this can is like one
1: like... one trekkie can call another trekkie a trekkie
0: well yeah i mean i but i think it's one of those things where people are like oh we're not really trekkies like that that's just what the media <laughs> calls us
1: we like also think... like star wars people forget that you can like both
0: yeah. Um, so apparently there is like when I when I looked at Trekkie versus Trekker, there is like a a, a there's a whole Wikipedia there there are, there are whole like blog <laughs> posts about this. So um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna Google that for the show notes. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say it, at, at the Star Trek, at the Memory Alpha wiki is got a whole anyway. Um, but what I was gonna say, I'm not, I'm not like a huge Star Trek person. Although I've always enjoyed what I've seen, but I I love that they had like. Honestly, when we're going to be talking about TV um, in a little bit, but I love that they have like a pretty banal episode, uh, you know what I mean? Like in terms of a topic, like that's like a kind of a sitcom, like sort of like thing of like, you know, guy like talks like so it, monotone and so long you can't interrupt him. Like that's like a pretty traditional trope. I love they just kind of inserted that into sci-fi. That's kind yeah, of great.
1: It, and And it got more interesting, but I will say that, and this will come up again in the future, but... My girlfriend was relatively recently diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. And like, and I'll say at the top, just about all the things I most respect and love about her are symptoms of autism. So it's a good pairing, but she also gets easily overwhelmed and, uh, The most relaxing show we can watch is Star Trek TNG. Huh. And we are almost to the last season, so we'll be moving into... We've been doing this from... We've been watching in chronological order from uh, Enterprise through original series through TNG, and we're going to hit... I guess we're
0: going to Voyager next? No,
1: no, 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 We We started Deep Space Nine because they coincided. Oh, and okay. they, they cross timelines. So we're also watching Deep Space Nine and then Voyager, which I'm looking forward to getting to because I've never seen Voyager.
0: Okay. And, like, people that I, like, like and respect really like Voyager. Yeah.
1: Yes, so, Scott McNulty, top, mm-hmm. of the, top of the pile there, uh, ha- like, talks about Voyager like it was the best. And I've seen all of TNG before. So this is, like, review for both me and Elle. But... We are both looking forward to getting to Voyager after after all the things we've heard retroactively.
0: Yeah, um, I was gonna say. I mean, Voyager was the one that was the one that was on UPN, right? I don't know. Yes, it was. I yeah, didn't it watch was. it. I mean, I didn't either. I was just trying to think in my head. Yeah, it ended in two thousand one. Um, yeah, that that uh, Alex Crans, my good friend, she she likes Voyager a lot. Um, so which
1: which. Okay, so no, I want to come back to this, but have you seen Star Trek Discovery?
0: Yes, I have.
1: Okay, we're going to talk about that more towards the end of the show. In the meantime, last tech top—no, not last tech top. I have a, I have a slew of tech topics, but um, I okay, so I I wrote all these tests for my little command line utility doing, mm-hmm. and. They're not unit tests. They're really integration tests. And the entire test suite, if you run it in serial, takes about three minutes (laughs) to complete 279 tests I've written. But I figured out, I I, I got better at Ruby and I figured out how to run them in parallel. Uh, So I've got it down to about 70 seconds and I built it so that, It pops up like a tree view with checkboxes. And as the test's complete, it fills them in with a checkbox and then starts more tests. So it's only running so many tests in parallel at once. And as each one finishes, it adds a new thread. It's beautiful. We don't need to talk about it extensively. I'm just very proud of it.
0: That's pretty great.
1: (laughs) I should show you. I should show you. Um. How hard would it be for me to share my screen over Skype? Yeah, I'll, I'll do this another time. It's beautiful okay. though. It's really cool looking. I used uh, a Ruby li- a Ruby library called tty uh, tty progress bar. Maybe I don't know, but it's all it's all part of this Ruby library called tty, and it's
0: oh, I'm seeing oh, I'm seeing this a uh, uh, tty toolkit. Um yeah. Okay. Okay. This is this goes on my list because I've recently become obsessed with like TUIs, and I found like um there's uh there's Rich which is a Python one, and there's Specter Console which is a, uh, a, a C sharp one, and there is um uh Charm which is actually very cool, which is like Elm, um and uh. Now I know about a TTY toolkit which is Ruby, very cool. I was reading an article about what programming
1: languages not to learn and and what to learn instead. And it started off strong like don't learn objective C, learn Swift. Makes sense. Like number 3, they got to don't learn HTML CSS, learn JavaScript instead. Which uh, I feel no. like you They're cannot different. create even you cannot create a React application without understanding HTML and CSS. Correct. If we're any web developer, for anyone who would have a need for any of these languages, a, a basic understanding of HTML and CSS, absolutely vital. Like 100%. I don't understand how you would skip over and just learn JavaScript.
0: Well, right, and it's weird. I mean, I guess that like tailwinds is, you know, one of the things that I guess people do. Um, you know, I I don't know how familiar you are with 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 the tailwind CSS.
1: Yeah. Um. Yes. You actually, I I believe we've liked that before.
0: Yeah. Um. I mean, because that basically kind of lets you, you know, build. Um. At, although you do use HTML with it, but it is kind of the the way that it works is that it has a lot of components to to make some of the css aspects step a little bit easier but you still need to have an understanding of of what you're doing you know it, it just it just maybe makes it a little more you know like react like um and and um a little more modular in some of your layout stuff i yeah that's such a weird that like you know what that reads to me that reads to me like that was an article that was written by someone who's never programmed anything
1: it it read to me like someone who was writing an article to get clicks Yes. They suggested that instead of learning C you learn Ruby. I can understand not learning C. Like yeah, I but feel then, like but
0: then you would but, but then you would learn Go.
1: Right. Or, or Rust. Rust. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like nobody at this point and and this is coming from a guy who lives in Ruby. Nobody at this point should be learning Ruby instead of something else. Right. Ruby is as far as I can tell a dead language, like as far as the modern sands of time, Ruby is not what anyone should be learning. You would be better off learning C than Ruby. That said, yeah, learn Rust, learn Scala, like learn something like currently vital.
0: No, totally. Learn Go, which was like created in part to replace C, you know, I mean, like, um. Uh, obviously, I, I think Rust would be better. I agree with you if, if we're just talking about those things. But also, I mean, in general, because people always ask this question, my answers are usually JavaScript and Python for like, you know, just most, you know, maximum viability. But learn what the team that you're working on or the project that you're like doing needs, you know? Like yeah. learn one and then adapt based on 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 what the team you're working on is using. I have a
1: friend, Jesse Atkinson great guy, almost hired him for AOL like we did hire him, and then they fucking changed the rules on us. But anyway, he got his current job with a dedication to learn a language he didn't know. He basically signed up for a job, I think it was Scala, that he, he, he hadn't used before, but he was determined to learn, so he he applied for a job. That required that language. And he got the job. Wow. And and he learned the language. That is, yes, that is the sign of a young programmer.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that. Well, <laughs> that, that is the sign of, like, somebody like, young, somebody who's the time, somebody who's, like, the, the still has, like, the the love and isn't, like, completely. And the brain
1: plasticity. Yeah, I, I mean. I worry in my older age that I won't be able to continue learning new languages.
0: Uh, I think you will. I, I, think hope, so. I, mean, I again, hope so. I mean, again, I mean, again, like, like, I, I think that when you look at, um, yeah, like, I I think that a lot of times people think, oh, well, you know, you get older, you, you can't learn new things and whatnot. I don't think it's that you can't. I think that it's about mindset. It's like, do you want to or not? I think that it's a lot of people who, for very good reasons, are like, I have too many other things going on and I don't want to go through all this again. You know? Yeah. But But some people like me, and I think you're the same way. I actually enjoy learning new things. Well, sure.
1: Yeah. Like, and to be fair, I have learned more about Ruby in the last year than I've known in 20 years of using it. And like, it's fascinating to me to learn. Like, I didn't know how to use Procs and Lambdas until this year. And I've been using Ruby since 2000. So... Like, I enjoy learning new things, and I enjoy learning new languages to see how they handle the same thing. But I do feel like I'm hitting, like, uh, diminishing returns.
0: Yeah, I mean, you might be hitting a diminishing returns thing. That's not quite the same thing. And I will say this, and obviously, you know, Ken Thompson is, like, the GOAT and and is a very unique case. But he's, like, 80 or almost 80. And and he, you know, was was one of the creators of of Go as well, right? So, which means that he was creating that, and that's a decade old. So, like, you know, when he was working on it in his 70s. Wait,
1: Go is a decade old? I think so. I feel like I just heard about Go, Go about three years ago.
0: Uh, first appeared November 10th, 2009,
1: yeah. Damn. Uh, somebody's not keeping up with shit.
0: So... <laughs> So, like, I'm just saying, like, so, so he was clearly he was like he's because he'd been working on it, you know, at you know Google because he co-developed the the programming yeah. language. So So into his 70s, I don't know. That's pretty exciting to me. Just yeah. That for sure. Somebody, you know what I mean? Like, like that. Even if we all can't be Ken Thompsons, like, because of course we can't. But like, that's one of those things that like excites me because I'm like, shit, dude, like this guy is still doing it. Like, our our yes. our, our 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 Unix Godfather is still fucking creating stuff. That gives you me know. great hope. Yeah, so I have I've I've absolutely no um no doubt that like as long as you want to continue learning and and um, getting better at things you will I have no doubt about that at all.
1: All right, last tech topic before we get to some some great TV. Yes, I so I needed to install a certain or- Oracle application on my Mac Mini to be able to do my job. Mm-hmm. So I. In order to do so, I had to install um, their kind of like, it's called My Desktop. And it, it is the interface through which you install Oracle software. I installed it. I installed the one piece of software I needed. Eventually had to do a reboot, as we've talked about before on my Mac Mini. And it came up with a lock screen that said, this machine is the property of Oracle and i said no and i immediately uninstalled all of that shit and i cannot figure out how to change my lock screen but now now i'm getting non compliance warnings from oracle saying this machine does not have like whatever antivirus right. software installed right if i go to remove the machine from my oracle registered personal machines It wants me to return the machine to Oracle. Like it wants to print out a fucking RMA for me to return my personal computer to my employer who did not buy my personal computer.
0: Right. Because you installed something on it. Yeah. Man, MDMs are so screwed. Yeah. Have you figured out any solution for this?
1: I, well, my solution was to ignore it. Right. And then my manager said, hey, I'm getting notifications that you have a non-compliant machine and uh, to be like, I don't need to run any Oracle software to do my job. And if I could just unregister it, I I would be done. Like, I don't need their software to do my job. And I have an Oracle laptop that works for accessing everything I need to from their machine that I will happily return to them if the time comes. I, I don't, I no. I don't know what to do. I have to go through tech support.
0: Uh, Yeah, I was going to say, you probably have to unfortunately file a ticket and conduct tech support. I had a similar issue. It was different and my manager certainly wasn't involved, but I accidentally, when I had that Dell laptop for like two months. Yeah, yeah. I accidentally provisioned it as a work device, which means that in the MDM, it shows up as like a work owned machine. And then I can't remove it because it shows that it's belonged to Microsoft. And clearly it wasn't. It was my own personal thing. So it was, I'm not getting any sort of, I mean, A, I'm not using the device. So like it's not giving me any, you know, um, uh, stuff or whatnot. But like I don't have the machine anymore, but it's still on my account. So. I have to file a ticket and follow up. I did file a ticket and then I just didn't follow up on it cuz I didn't I didn't care. Um to like get them to manually remove it. But I imagine that you'll have to go through a similar tech support song and dance where you'll have to reach out to tech support, file a ticket and they will have to manually remove the the machine from, you know, the database. Uh no pun intended there, Oracle. Uh So that you don't get those, so that you don't get those uh, messages anymore.
1: Yeah. Anyway, you know what would be a good transition between like tech talk and TV talk?
0: Uh, Zoc Doc?
1: A sponsor break. Yes.
0: I think so. I think so. All right. So. While you're uh, kind of, uh, you know, we were talking about mental health. We were talking about, uh, Brent, you're feeling a little bit down. Now we're going to talk about some of the TV you watched while you were feeling down. If you're uh, needing a doctor, ZocDoc is for you. So has this ever happened to you before? Uh, You need to see a doctor and you're searching to find one that looks good. You're waiting on hold to book the appointment. You're rearranging your schedule. And then you finally go to the doctor and it turns out, they don't take your insurance, which is completely frustrating. But there is a solution. Just download the free ZocDoc app, the easiest way to find a great doctor, and instantly book an appointment. So with ZocDoc, you can search for local doctors who take your insurance, which is key. You can read verified patient reviews, book an appointment. You can do in-person or video chat, which is really handy. And you never have to wait on hold with the receptionist again. I have used ZocDoc for more than a decade. It is far and away my favorite place uh, to find a doctor, especially with different specialties. So If you're like looking for a primary care physician or a dentist or a dermatologist or an eye doctor or, or something else, ZocDoc has you covered. And like I said, you can know instantly when you're booking the appointment, which you're booking in the app, that they take your insurance, which is great. So go to ZocDoc.com overtired and download the ZocDoc app for sign up uh, or to sign up for free. Every month, millions of people use Zocdoc. I'm one of them. As I said, it is my go-to whenever I need to see the doctor. Zocdoc makes healthcare easy. So now it's time to prioritize your health. New Year, go to zocdoc.com/overtired and download the Zocdoc app to sign up for a free uh, sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That is z o c d o c dot com slash overtired. That's
1: a fantastic read, Christina.
0: Thank you, Brett. Appreciate it. Felt a little rusty, but I felt like I was coming back into it.
1: Yeah. So uh, after after a couple weeks off.
0: After a couple weeks off, yeah. No, it's good. Um, so we were texting before our various like delays about TV, and now I'm like looking at your list and we've got a I'm very excited for this because we have a lot of TV to talk about. So where do you want to start? So okay. First of all, queer eye. So good. it it, it is. And
1: season six, I like the latest season, I found that going through it, uh, we were constantly pausing because it brought up conversation topics. And we'd pause and we'd talk about these things that had happened to us or that we thought or that we believed, and, and then continue on with the show. And it became this super interactive TV for us. We finished season six and we're like, well, shit, that was great. Let's go back in the catalog. Season five has not seemed to have that same effect. I feel like season six is is exceptional oh. and better than preceding seasons. H- have you watched enough to... I have.
0: I have, and I don't know, I do feel like season six was the best. I don't know if it's, like, so much better. I feel like sometimes these shows do kind of ebb and flow based on, you know, the the casting and, and like, the, you know, the, the the makeover contestants and stuff, you know, that they can choose and pick. Um, and I feel like everybody really gelled with season six. I did feel so, like the first season was really strong.
1: In season, okay, I will go back to the first season. In season five, they Go and make over a uh, New Jersey, uh, like a Jersey Shore DJ. And I cannot give a fuck about that. I didn't even, I, I got about 15 minutes into the episode and I just did not care. Season six, I cared about just about every episode. I'm like, yeah. yes, I want to see this person's transformation. I want to see where it goes. I don't care about it. A Jersey short DJ. I just don't. Right.
0: No, well and that's the thing, right? Is that it, it's difficult. Like the first season was all Atlanta or it was all Georgia, I guess. And like um the first couple of of seasons were, I guess, because they were, you know, they got the, the tax credits there. <laughs> right, and so right. uh, so so that um uh was just hysterical that <laughs> my home state has become like everything is filmed in Georgia and I see stuff, and I'm like, that's not fucking wherever, that's in Georgia. <laughs> and I'm just like god damn like it is funny too because it all really started right after i left and i used to have like good contacts with the film and television like commission there and uh and and so i'm still on some of their press listings and like i got what i had to like unsubscribe or create a filter or something because the number of project emails that i was getting like alerts for stuff of like filming because it back in the day it was like a big deal of like one or two things were filmed there and then it was sure. like the entire industry moved we and then away. you're
1: like that's not paris that's savannah
0: <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly like that is not paris that is that is that is <laughs> savannah yeah or you see others i'm like like that's not los angeles what the fuck are you even talking about <laughs> that's like <laughs> that's 85 that's not the 405 that's 85 but hey what, what the if hell? that's
1: what it takes to get a good film made that's one thing i'm agree. cool with it
0: i agree in many cases I think they're just people being cheap asses. Um uh although again and I've said this before mad mad props to uh uh Tyler Perry who has been the one who's beat out <laughs> the best in all of this by owning all the fucking studios and renting them out to people. Like you go like the house that Medea built like Grant <laughs> A, Grant loves those movies and and even he doesn't know why cuz they're terrible. But we love <laughs> Tyler Perry and uh and and like I'm very proud of Tyler Perry. Anyway, um but this is a good point, because with these shows, I agree with you, I think season six, you care a lot. But this is a good show. Like, obviously, the cast on Queer Eye is great. But this points out casting is so important for these other types of reality shows. Like, you have to have really compelling people. And that's hard to do, because sometimes you really nail it, and sometimes you you don't, you know? And so, um, I okay, this is not a good show. Like, Queer Eye is genuinely a good show for anybody in the audience listening. Like, it's honestly, it's genuinely heartwarming, and it's a good show. Like, it's uh, the, the cast is great. We've talked about it before. Like, it's one of those things that makes you feel good about humanity, and, and, at least in my opinion. Like, it's like Queer Eye and, like, uh, Ted Lasso are, like, the things that give me hope in this world. Yeah. Um, but uh, a show that's the polar opposite of this, except that it's also very dependent on casting in terms of my enjoyment, is 90 Day Fiance, which is a complete trash heap of just trash. But... There are some seasons and some casts, like some couples, that are better than others. Um, how familiar are you with Ninety Day Fiance?
1: Absolutely. Let's see what what is zero minus zero.
0: Okay, so the the premise is, and you would hate this show. Uh, uh you, you would you <laughs> would absolutely hate it. That um, has
1: always been my assumption. Uh,
0: but uh, but there are things that Grant and I quite enjoy it. Uh, it, it 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 it's no love after lockup. But it well actually in some cases it's better. But which is another parable trash show. The whole idea is that there are like these. There's a provision where if you marry someone who's from another country, they can get uh, a provisional like visa to become you know to, to get into the United States. Sure, green card um, marriage. Green card, basically. So that basically the premise of the show is these are people who've met online usually. Um, sometimes they've met on vacation, in other places, they have 90 days to get married because the person can be in the United States for 90 days and then they got to get married. And it like chronicles their whole process of, of oftentimes like the, the interesting ones are really like the, we met on vacation and we were totally in love. And then now we're actually living together and this person's in a completely different country and we hate each other. Um,
1: those are interesting. Yeah. I could see this premise going either way.
0: Yeah and then and then also sometimes the the, the premise is like oh she's a straight up like uh like like um w- w- what's what's the term um a catalog like like white you know what i mean like i, I like you straight up like paid for mail this person order. mail thank you thank you this is a straight up male order relationship, right? Like there's some of those cases where like the woman, because it is usually a woman who is not exclusively but but usually, um sometimes you have you have men too, but but it's it's primarily women, um just because of the nature of how this thing works, um who are like straight up grifting these dudes um and like clearly just want to get in the country. um, but you're not totally sympathetic to the dudes because the dudes oftentimes are just as terrible. like they clearly like just like couldn't find anyone. In the United States to fuck them, so they had to like do a mail order thing, and then expect oh because I'm bringing into this country like you should really like me, and you know a lot of times women are like no, and then you have sometimes the really fun cases where like you actually feel bad for the the people from out of the country because they've been completely misled. Like there's this one season where there's this guy who, um she. Actually, had a really nice life in the Philippines. Like her parents were pretty well off, and like she had things going on. And um, he made himself out to be like he had his shit together, and and had all these businesses. And he was, you know, in his in his fifties, I think, and and like wealthy. No, uh, dude lives with his uh adult daughter in like a two bedroom, like a uh, rundown apartment and they have to live together because he relies on her for rent. It's not one of those things where he's, like, supporting her. Like, he needs her half of the rent to be able to, like, live and, like, you know, uh, completely misled this woman about, like, what his lifestyle was. And then she, like, gets to the United States and she's like, I'm sorry, what?
1: Yeah, like, that makes sense. So,
0: so, um, so it can be really compelling. But the thing is, is that it's all about the cast. It's all about, like, who are the people? The Bachelor's the same way. Like, it really all depends on, like, how good of a, of a cast you have, and how much do you care about their stories? And so, I, I I I agree with what you're saying. Like, I haven't watched season five of, of Queer Eye in a while. Um, I'll have to go back, but um, because it was, it was 2020, and that was just, I mean, that whole year is sure, it were, sure. But um, and it was like eighteen months between seasons. Um, so um, I, but yeah, I uh. Speaking of cast, though. Yes.
1: Okay, so. I know almost everybody's name on Queer A at this point, at least current cast members. Yes. But I do not know the non-binary person's name.
0: Jonathan Van Ness. Jonathan. Yeah.
1: Out of, like, no member of that cast makes me feel weird except for Jonathan. And season five of Jonathan does not make me feel weird. And this is like I'm 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 exploring my own prejudices here, right? But season six, they start wearing boxy dresses,
0: right? Well, I think that that was when they came out as non-binary.
1: Okay, it's something about that boxy dress causes weird feelings in me, and I cannot explain them, like. It, they are weird feelings that border on well they're just confusion, like I want that person to be in like for, prior to that they were wearing like crop tops right and and that was that didn't that didn't cause any reaction in me. something about the boxy dresses causes weird reactions in me, and I cannot explain them and they i it's uncomfortable feeling like. <laughs> There must be something bigoted about how I'm feeling. But to be fair, a woman or a man in that same dress would also make me uncomfortable. I don't yeah I think I'm bigoted against boxy dresses.
0: I was gonna say, I think maybe you just don't like what they're wearing. Like which is which is fair. Like maybe you just like like it, maybe the person you're really mad at. Um, and I was wrong on this. I w- I w- I want to correct this because I'm I'm googling in real time. Uh, um, uh, Jonathan Van Ness came out as non-binary in 2019, so okay. um, fair, earlier in the show's run. So um, but maybe like you're just like bigoted towards like the the costume designer, right? Like you just don't <laughs> like what they chose to wear, which is fair. I mean, like honestly, that's also the mark of. I mean, because sometimes, and and here's the thing too. I know that that the 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 Fab Five. Like are are supposed to be known for you know their their fashion sense and whatnot, but not everybody gets it right all the time. Also, I've known plenty of um, stylists who have fantastic style for others, but m- my personal opinion is that they look like hot garbage. Like I don't like the things they wear. I will I will I will say this. And I'm going to get so much shit for this. But the most famous um um like uh like costume designer uh, I, I think probably living today is uh Patricia Field and. Patricia field has fantastic style. So, so she does, she, she, okay. So she did the, uh, costumes and the clothing for the original sex in the city. Okay. Um, and which is, you know, like was just fabulous. Uh, even when people would be like, what is Carrie wearing? You were talking about what Carrie was wearing. She's (laughs) not doing it on the revival because she's doing Emily in Paris. Um, and, uh, Emily in Paris also has very good clothes. Um, and so I, um, which
1: is which is ironic because that show is basically designed for reading your phone while watching Netflix.
0: One thousand percent, it is completely designed for that. <laughs> but the clothes are great, and and she does a great job with it. And 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 Darren Star, who created both Sex and City and Emily in Paris. But anyway, um, and, and Patricia Field had like a very famous store in New York uh, that, uh, that no longer existed, I think, by the time I was there. But like, was very famous in the '90s as like the cool spot. Anyway, like her fashion sense and the way that she styles stuff is impeccable but when i look at what she personally wears i'm like i don't i'm not a fan like i'm not gonna say it's like complete garbage but it's just like i'm not a fan so (laughs) so maybe that's so sometimes i feel like even if that is your own thing so so my whole thing is like i would want a different costumer or stylist for patricia field if i were to see her like acting as something well yeah like jonathan
1: Jonathan needs someone to do their hair. That's what I'm
0: saying. That's what I'm saying. They need someone to 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 do their styling, right? Um. Actually, okay. The more I'm thinking about this Patricia she feels probably a bad example. She's so eclectic. I probably <laughs> wouldn't want to style her, but I can say I'm not a fan of what she wears. But I'm. But, but there is a weird disconnect. It's like I would see like what she would wear, and then you see what she styles, and you're like, this doesn't correlate, right? Um. Which is fair, right? Because like that's like what you might personally want to do something with, like. Not everybody is going to be completely on it, you know what I mean? Yeah. But but that yeah. So I think you just have a thing against uh, whoever is styling and costuming uh, uh, Jonathan, um, rather than 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 being you know like an phobe.
1: That makes me feel better because I have I have a I have more non-binary friends than I have trans friends. Same. And it it, it has it has blown me away how many trans friends I have, how many people that I knew one way. Have become another way, and like that has been. It's honestly, it's been exciting to see people becoming them their true selves. Agree. And I have never had a problem with someone calling themselves non-binary because, like, I I can relate. I get it. Like, I I've been beaten up for not being male enough, right? And I like I have associated with female characteristics enough that I I get. How you could say, "I don't want to be either i am I am neither of these things. I don't associate strongly with one or the other, and it's made me feel really weird to be so annoyed by Jonathan's character,
0: yeah i think I think you just don't like what they're wearing, yeah also okay. Jonathan Jonathan at this point is probably the most famous, so I would, I would think
1: Tan would be the most famous. No, he's I mean in fucking terms of, awesome,
0: he is awesome. But I'm talking like in terms of pop culture. I'm ta- talking in terms of like okay, like like outside of like the show. Okay, like 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 Jonathan was in a Taylor Swift video. Really? Yeah. Which video? You need to calm down. The okay. the 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 the, uh, the queer anthem. I will um, admit
1: I've never seen this video, so I'm going to add if, that to it's, the it's, show notes, and then I'm going to go look at it.
0: It's not my favorite um but uh, a lot of people were really into it but but um uh, there are some um some um, um some drag queens in it too um 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 Tadra Hall, who's her, uh, her who's her gay BFF is in it um it's uh it also includes like at the end uh, a reconciliation with her and Katy Perry right. which is interesting anyway um you can watch it like there's some interesting things like it's very campy it's a very very campy video um I'll be honest it's really a Casey Musgraves video done by Taylor Swift which is weird but it it um that whole album lover is uh especially now that we've had like the trifecta of folklore evermore and the red re-release i i realized there was a fearless re-release in between those things it, it, in in that mix too but i i'm not talking about that right now when we had like that trifecta of like three like perfect albums I we talked about how we were going to do our ranking of Taylor Swift albums. Uh, Not going to do it now, but but I'm thinking about it. Like I really liked Lover when it came out, and there are still some songs on it that are are high on my list. But it, given like what we got after, I I it that that's I think it's I, yeah I think it's one of her weaker ones. I have to say, even though some of the individual songs are really good. Yeah,
1: you'd be amazed how much I don't care.
0: But. I know. I know you don't. But, <laughs> but, like, but, 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 but folklore, Evermore, like the Red re release all good shit. And you liked both folklore and Evermore.
1: It's, it's true. I liked, uh, shit. Okay. I've already forgotten the name of like every Taylor Swift album. Totally. What was the first one she re recorded? Uh, Fearless. Fearless. I liked Fearless.
0: Yeah. That's a good album. It's a good album. I like Fearless um,
1: Taylor's version. Yes. Just because I support the idea of, of sticking it to Big Machine and whatever came after. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Anyway. Yep. Fuck those guys. Totally. Anyway.
0: Okay. Anyway. So, all right.
1: I, I got to mention one show before we get to some both good and bad TV. Oh, shit. We yes. only have eight minutes left.
0: We can go a little long.
1: Okay. So, um... There's this it's, it's, show. It's been a few
0: weeks. Let's just go along.
1: There's this show called The Dark Side of the Nineties. Yes. Narrated by Mark McGrath. Yes. Which adds up. I'm I'm not gonna lie. Like I wouldn't have chosen him, but if I was gonna do a show about the dark side of the nineties, I would choose Mark McGrath. And during my little sick days last week, I watched a few He's episodes. Still still oh my god.
0: I would still fuck him. I'm sorry. The Sugar Ray <laughs> guy is still really hot. Um, and look, if, no. if any, I'm just saying, if any guy was gonna go from being like the lead of like an alt rock band to being the host of Extra, you knew it was gonna be him.
1: I guess I. So I like guys. Like I, I'm pansexual. I'm. I I I understand what's attractive about males, and I cannot agree with you on this.
0: I don't understand how you can't not find, like, at his peak. I'm not saying, like, some of, like, the, the, the like, he's had a little too much plastic surgery, and I'm I not think, saying, like. I
1: think I need personality.
0: He has personality, though. I'm just thinking, okay, and actually, I'm <laughs> taking this back now. I st- I would not fuck him now. He's had too much plastic surgery. <laughs> it is, he he is not on my, like, fuck list. But when I think back about, like, Sugar Ray Mark McGrath, like, like, when I think about, like, like late nineties Mark McGrath. Like
1: Did you like Sugar Ray's music though?
0: Okay, I did.
1: Okay. Okay. That explains everything. Like if you can stomach the music, I can understand accepting the but I like the, the attractive music in, characteristics but, of the But lead I kind but
0: I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I kind of liked the music, at least initially, because I thought he was super fucking hot in the um the the fly <laughs> video. I was like thirteen.
1: I, I can't I can't do it. Like bad music is bad music to me.
0: Um, okay, so I will say this. I did love so they had like the huge hit with with um with Fly, which was the rest of their music had been nothing like that. And then Fly was a huge hit. And then they came out with another album. I have to give them credit for this. Also, he was like, I think the all-time champion on Rock and Roll Jeopardy. Guy actually has a lot of like music knowledge, but Anyway, uh, we'll talk about Dark Side of the 90s in a second, but the, the second, <laughs> their the, the, the third album, maybe before that, I don't remember what it was called, but uh, I don't remember what number it was, but I will say this. This was pretty fucking brilliant. They'd had this big hit, and everybody told them, well, your 15 minutes of fame is is going to be up soon. So they named their album 1459, and then it had like six top 10 hits. Okay. So, for that alone, yeah. I'm sorry. That's fucking awesome. That like, everybody is... wrote them off as like a one hit wonder, and then they came back with like an album that was just like literally like one of the best selling like rock albums for like two years in a row. I'll,
1: I'll give you that. I will. Fourteen fifty nine. That is hilarious.
0: It, right. So, so okay. So he is. but anyway, let's talk. Let's talk about Dark Side of the Nineties.
1: Okay. So it opens up with a. A uh, review of trash TV like Jerry Springer and yep. Ricky Lake. Yeah, Jenny Jones. E- and and I forgot about it, but Oprah at the time.
0: Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I totally Oprah.
1: forgot Oprah was ever trash TV. Oh, Oh,
0: one hundred percent, because she was following Donahue's footsteps, and yeah. Donahue well, went into so down down Jerry that Springer room.
1: for a while.
0: Absolutely, they were doing more issues oriented stuff. But no, early Oprah, like early nineties, Oprah was trash TV, where she yeah. like went to like pivoted to wellness and and um, uh, like more like celebrity kind of stuff and whatnot. She was just really good at it. Yeah, like she just elevated it. Like that is the amazing thing about Oprah. Like she. She took this trashy shit, but she elevated it to another level because Oprah is, like, fucking incredible as an interviewer.
1: So here's what I love about Dark Side of the 90s is they, they interview people who kind of hate each other. Mm-hmm. And they allow this story to, story to be presented by people who don't agree necessarily on the events that happen. Right. And they do a really good job. Of kind of this is, these are the key players in this shit that happened in the 90s. And here's why they hate each other. And I watched the one on Trash TV. I watched the one on Grunge Rock. Yes, that was was great. Really good. And I watched the one on Pamela Anderson and Baywatch. Mm -hmm. And yeah. It's fascinating stuff because I, honestly, like this is my high school years. Yeah, like this is the t- the period of pop culture that I was most aware of pop culture as much as I pretended to hate it. Like I was, you I were, was around still, for all of this, and
0: you were still a consumer of it. So this is what makes me sad. Um, and I thought about this when I bought watched about this, and then there was another one. Like there was one on Netflix that covered some of the biggest media, um, I guess, um, uh, trials, uh, like trial by sure, media, sure. I think it was called. And like one of them was the Jenny Jones, um, uh, the, the murder, murder that trial. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and then like there were some other like, uh, uh, things that were not all of the, them were uh, from the nineties, but there, but there were some similar kind of crossover, I guess, with some of the stuff Trial by media, that's what it's called. And it's, um, a, um, uh, Netflix, uh, documentary series. Um, and, um, the, um, but, but like what both of those have made me think about, but especially Dark Side of the 90s. Now you didn't watch these because you were pretending that you were too good for pop culture then. <laughs> um, but, um, VH1's behind the music. And at the time, E's True Hollywood Story were both genuinely the early seasons of those shows were some of the best documentary television ever. And it sucks that because of probably music rights and other stuff that they're not available on streaming. And then I've had a hard time finding like copies online. I'm sure they are on news groups or, or torrents somewhere, but like behind the music in particular, what happened with both of them, uh, what killed both of them, was that they got so popular that they had to make so many, that they were doing E! True Hollywood stories about shit that didn't need a true Hollywood story. Sure. And, uh, like, you know, and so they were just cramming into an hour, and, like, you, you didn't care. But, like, originally, they were, like, two-hour-long things, and they were well-reported, and they were well-researched. And, like, the original behind the musics, again, were, like, these two-hour things and were incredible documentaries. And to your point about seeing people who hate each other talking— a lot of times, like the stories of the bands, like I remember, like the the Fleetwood Mac one, like you know, a lot of these things were bands who just really hated each other, but we're still talking, you know, to the camera and we're sharing like the rise and fall of stuff and like the the very first behind the music, like the the one that the very first episode and uh, it was the pilot, I guess, and the one that kind of like got it greenlit for more episodes was uh, Millie Vanilli, and um, it, they got an interview with. Um, one of the, the um, band members before he committed suicide, like only a few months before he committed suicide. And, you know, the, you talk to everybody involved about like how that fraud happened. Yeah. And that is still completely compelling documentary. Sure. And, it, and it's, it's a shame to me, like especially now that Paramount Plus, you know, exists, and also Peacock, I guess, because NBC owns E or Universal, NBC Universal owns E. Like, they, Paramount Plus, especially with the money they're putting into that, they could fucking license what they needed to license Right. To get behind the music on streaming, and it's a shame to me that they don't because, like again, like it's just really interesting stuff. Like the grunge episode made me think about that a lot because the some of the um the E true Holly the behind the music's rather about some of those bands in some of that era. You would have loved that shit if you had actually deemed to watch television <laughs> in the late nineties.
1: Well, okay, so out of all the grunge bands, the only one I ever latched onto is Mud Honey. Okay, and partly because they covered the dicks hate the police, right? And and I was like, holy shit, this band, this band gets it. And sure, I remember where I was when Kurt Cobain, when the, when the news came out. The that news Kurt said, yeah, day. I remember
0: exactly where I was.
1: I was in Dave's guitar shop. I was looking at Big Muff distortion pedals, and and the news came on the radio, and everyone was kind of in shock.
0: I, I was watching MTV with my sister's friends. I was like ten. And, um, yeah. And, yeah, and we were in shock.
1: Like, I remember it. I remember my bassist telling me I was an asshole because I kind of chuckled because it seemed obvious that Kurt Cobain had died. And in retrospect, I regret that it was it was a loss. Like, it, it was a loss. And totally. I, I did not acknowledge it at the time. Well, also, no, but also I was you were drunk.
0: I was going to say you were drunk and you were what? You were like you're like 17.
1: Um, I don't remember. Sixteen, seventeen, that seems right. Yeah.
0: Okay, so yeah. So you were drunk. You also were probably like because Nirvana was so big at that point, you probably were like, fuck Nirvana. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. And, you know what I mean? Like 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 uh okay, like my sister skipped school after River Phoenix died. <laughs> she was so upset. <laughs> she was so upset that like hey. she like took a sick day, like he she stayed wa- at home he from was school. Hot.
1: He was hot. He was
0: hot. I know. But that was the, my mom. I have to give my mom so much credit. Because she she was a really good mom, but she would also indulge her bullshit like Kelly <laughs> staying home from school because River Phoenix died. And, and I, 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 I was like nine and I was like, I was like, okay, he, he like OD'd, right? Like yeah. you, you understand that, we're, that this isn't like some big, tra- I mean, it's tragic, but like motherfucker OD'd. But she was just like so upset. She was like, "I loved him." I'm like, "Oh, okay," you know. Um, but but that was that was that was, that was like a big one for her. I guess if Mark Paul Gossler, the guy who played Zach on Save the Bell, I guess like if if, if he died, I I would have skipped fourth grade. But um, maybe I just, um,
1: just watched a documentary where they let Malcolm McLaren tell the story of how Sid Vicious died. Yeah, and that's fucked up. I like think, McLaren should not be the guy telling that story.
0: No, no. But also, like, I don't know. Well, that whole thing is so interesting. Um, to go on a tangent again, like, uh, okay, that's another one where there was the the my better understanding of um, uh, Sex Pistols and and of Sid and Nancy actually came from behind the music because the film, like, frankly, lets Sid off the hook a whole lot.
1: Right. <laughs> totally. Right.
0: Yep. Like, so, so, like, a lot of people, Grant included, like, their whole basis of all of that, like, comes from Sid and Nancy. And I'm like, okay, motherfucker, like, raped and murdered her and then killed himself. Like, I don't care what she did. Debatable. Like,
1: I mean, <sighs> okay. He's not a good guy. Uh, on heroin, Sid Vicious was a terrible person and I have no respect for him at all. But what happened that night to me. Is controversial.
0: Okay. Well, she was dead before he was. That, uh, that's okay. not controversial. That's not no, controversial. That's
1: fact. That's right. Fair. So
0: so 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 he killed her.
1: I, I can't a hundred percent endorse that. To me, that is an unknown. It's a possibility for sure. But I can't. I. It can't be proven.
0: I don't know. I, she was de- <laughs> she 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 was dead before he was.
1: <laughs> she, she, we're having we're having we an are. argument over someone who's been dead for how many years? Thirty
0: five. Thirty five. Thirty five. Um. So I yeah. Uh. No no. Forty. I think you're right. The movie was is thirty five years old. But anyway, a lot of people like I think because like the the film like kind of glorified their relationship and and other stuff and and the behind the music was actually um uh better. The interesting thing that yeah, also going back to the Kurt Cobain thing. Fucking Courtney Love was like obsessed with Sid and Nancy and she would not stop. Like she has a small role in the film, but she like wanted to be Nancy so badly that sure. she like annoyed the hell out of like the, the director. Like she wouldn't like go away. And that's why he cast her in a small role because she just wouldn't fucking go away. And she makes
1: sense as Nancy.
0: She does make sense as Nancy. Like I have to say, like, I, I can't remember the name of the actress that that actually played um uh Nancy. Uh, but like, and even weirdly now in my mind, I'm like, yeah, Courtney Love, right? Cause like that would have been in rec- like that would have been perfect casting. Chloe Webb, that's it. Okay. So, um, let's talk about some TV, some good, some bad. I feel like, I, I feel like we
1: should save, we have another episode to do in just a few days. Okay. Let's save the rest of this good and bad TV for the next episode,
0: okay. All right. We'll start with it though we'll 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 get yeah. into it fairly yeah. early, yeah, cause because i I do want to talk to you also, um uh, one of the shows on the list. Uh, a new episode dropped last night uh, or yesterday right would
1: that be single drunk female? It would I definitely want to talk about that. We're going to talk about how we met your father and yeah. and and how the only thing going for it is it is it doesn't have rape jokes.
0: No, and uh, and 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 look, I, I do like Hillary Duff. We'll talk about it. We're we're, yeah. we're saving it. We're saving it. But yeah, yeah but but we're also going to talk about better TV. So yeah, yeah, but but a new episode of Single Drunk Female uh, dropped yesterday. Awesome. And so
1: this yeah. is this is great fodder for our next episode. Excellent. So in the meantime, thanks everyone for tuning in, and definitely tune back in if you want to hear about what is shitty and what is great about TV right now.
0: Exactly. Thank you so much.
1: All right, Christina, get some sleep.
0: Get some sleep, Brett. The system is going down low.